I want to share a few thoughts with you. And this is kind of in preparation for our fall group launch. And so uh, this morning's message, for those of you that like titles, I'm going to give you one so you can jot it down. It's called The Power of the Circle. And, uh, and so I want to share some thoughts with you concerning really relationships, but also uh, really being in the right relationships. How many of you know that not all relationships are good? There are, you can't have some bad relationships, but we want you to be in what? Godly relationships. And so what, let me tell you what it's not. Groups is not a place just to go meet new friends, although you will meet new friends. It's not just, well, I don't, you know, because some people could have the thought, well, I, I don't like people. I don't want more friends. I have plenty of friends. It's more than that. It's deeper than that. But if we're not careful, we can just kind of reason it away as to why we don't need to be in relationship. And yet the Bible's very clear. We were created to connect. We've been, I mean, that's the way we're hardwired. And I'll show you this, but I want to show you the early church in Acts chapter 2. And this is kind of a blueprint that I believe that it worked back then. And if we do it, it still works today. And, uh, but it comes in Acts chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 42. But it says that all the believers devoted themselves. Now that's important. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to this. So in other words, every individual made a commitment to what we're about to read. Individually, they said, I'm going to be committed to this. And so it goes on and it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. It continues on and says, A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Which I know sometimes people ask me, like, how come we don't see more miracles in the church? I think it's because we don't have the same unity that they had in the book of Acts. And the only way to have unity is to be connected, to have a, a common heart. And you can only do that in relationship. And so it c- continues on. It says that all the believers met in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. It says they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Is that how you would describe church, your experience, great joy and generosity? Because I think if we can actually get to that place, I think the church would be way more effective. And I don't just mean here local; I mean just as globally. I doubt many people sitting in church today are thinking, great joy and generosity is just amazing this morning. Most people are thinking, how long are we going to be here? You know what I'm saying? And yet it says that they were known for having great joy and generosity. It says, all the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And it says, in each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, there's a lot that we can unpack there, but I'm going to keep it pretty focused today. There's a lot, though, is that they were fellowshipping together. They were in relationship together. They were praying together. They were eating together. They were going to church together. They were meeting in homes together. And what happened? There was great joy. There was great generosity. God, you're seeing people get saved at an unprecedented number. I know that for many of you, because you're not in the same world that I necessarily live in all the time, but many of you may be unaware of this, but do you realize that more people are getting saved on a daily basis on the planet than any time in history? Like, we don't see it. Like, we, we think of, like, the, the end times. We, I mean, because we kind of, if you were like me, you were raised in church hearing about this end time revival. Guess what? It's happening even if we're unaware of it. Why? Because people are getting saved but in mass numbers. Not just all over the world, but even here in America. I mean, why? Because 
people need Jesus. And they hear the gospel, and there's something attractive about it. And, and, but, but it's also something that, that we need as well. And we really see that there are four main elements to the early church, four main things that they did. And, and so and it really shows us how they function, but also I believe it's the example. So the first one is that the, the Bible says that they devoted themselves to what? To four things, to the apostles' doctrine, which I'm not an apostle, but I do teach. I am a, a pastor. And so what they, another way you could say is they committed themselves to, the, to finding out the truth of God's word. That's part of what you're doing this morning, even here, is that you've committed yourself, you've devoted yourself to what? To be in church this morning, to hear the word of God so that what? So that it can produce in our life. And so that's important. There's, there's an element of that. That'll never go away. They also committed themselves to fellowship, which is community. It's connection. It, it's joint participation, you know, it's hard to have a conversation by yourself. You got to have some joint participation. You ever tried to have a conversation with somebody that just didn't want to talk to you? That's frustrating, isn't it? It's just like, would you just talk? Like, get off your phone and talk to me. It's frustrating. So we need fellowship. We need to come together. I mean, I remember a few weeks ago we had, uh, you know, uh, the day in the park where we got together and just had a good time. We ate some food. The Lord blessed us with nice weather in August, which was a miracle. But guess what? It was just a lot of fun to hang out, to connect with people, to talk with each other. Why? Because we don't always get that opportunity. They also said the breaking of bread was one of the things they devoted themselves to. They like to eat, praise the Lord. This is the way I like to say it is that there's there's a connection that when we open our mouth, we open our heart. I believe that. You go to dinner with somebody, you have somebody at your house, you go to their house, you meet at a restaurant, whatever. I believe that as you open your mouth, something begins to happen in your heart. Maybe it's because you get full and, you know, you relax a little bit. Any other foodies in the house? Anybody like to eat? Anybody? No, the breaking of bread. I mean, there's something even spiritual about that moment, I believe. I'll say it this way. There can be. Doesn't mean there always is, but there can be. And they also devoted themselves to prayer. So four things. The teaching of God's word, communion, eating together, which is kind of funny when you think about it. It's like, why would that be part of their, because it's part of what worked. And they prayed for one another. They were constantly doing this. And as a result of their, of their commitment to one another, the church began to grow. Healthy growth, good growth. People were being discipled. Not just more people coming on, on a Sunday. That's not what we exist for. I don't exist to fill this room. I exist to fill heaven. You should exist to fill heaven, not just to fill this space. Although I believe that we can fill this space, and that's fine. But that's not why we exist. We exist so that people come to know God, so they can develop in their understanding and really grow into the fullness of what he has for them. And so I want to word this in a little different way. Uh, and, and so there's, and I'm going to say it this way, is that, that there's three primary channels that God works through. Now, prayer is not necessarily included in these three, but I do believe that's, but I'm talking about for us personally. I believe prayer is a huge, huge part, but I believe that for you as an individual, there's three ways that God can speak to you primarily, not only this way, but three primary. Number one is from the power of the pulpit, is that people can stand up and preach the word of God. And, and you can be taught the word of God, and God will speak through you in those, to you in those moments. But I also believe that there's the power of the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will what, come alongside of us and help and work and move and speak in our life. 
But you know, sometimes, and maybe it's because of our own place where we may find ourselves, maybe it's a moment where we just need a friend. I just need eyeballs. I just need somebody to talk to. I need a voice. I need to have that conversation, and I need to be able to ask somebody a question, right? And that's where we get the power of the circle, those relationships. So the power of the pulpit, it's important. The preaching of God's word is important. But you can't have the preaching of God's word without the power of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe if you have the preaching of God's word, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not enough without relationships. The Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. And it's important. You can't just have preaching of God's word and connection, relationship. Why? Because now you've taken the Holy Spirit out of it. Well, hold on, that doesn't have the same effect. Because I believe that the same Holy Spirit that works in this room works when I pray by myself. I believe that it's the same Holy Spirit that works when I'm in my, my men's group on Tuesday mornings, although we just finished the semester. But it's the same Holy Spirit. It's not a different Holy Spirit that's working. But, but for us to live successfully and really experience what God has for every one of us, we need all three of those. We do. We need all three of those working in our life. That relationship, it matters. You know, and, and there is another, let me say it as well, another way that you can get involved and in, to hook in as far as relationally building, because I realize sometimes, you know, like I'll give you an example. I go to a men's group at 6 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. That's, we just wrapped our semester, but I realize some of you are at work at 6 a.m. You're like, well, that'd be great, but I can't come. Or maybe it's where you, you work. It makes it just, it's just not possible, Right? But there may be another group that you can get in. Or maybe because of your work schedule, it's crazy. Which some of you got some crazy work schedules. I understand. And you're like, well, what about me? I can't get in a group. I would love to get in a group. I'd be there like once a month, maybe, at best. What do I do? You can serve on a team. Why? Because that can become your circle. We got lots of opportunities for you to serve and to be a blessing. And you're like, well, you know, I just, I feel like I need to be in the sanctuary. Scripturally, I can show you where it's actually better if you, if you give. Now, not all the time. I'm not saying you're going to get stuck in a closet somewhere with some kid that you hate. I'm not saying that, <laughs> you know. But there, what? there are gifts. That's what Discover is all about, right? That, that's what it's all about. It's about you finding what you're called to. And so that community, that connection happens in circles, not in rows, now, you realize you're in a row right now. How much of a conversation can you have with the back of the person's head in front of you right now? Not much. And they're probably not going to be able to hear you very well because our ears are forward-facing, right? Some of ours are a little more forward than others. But, but no, connection, real community, real life happens face-to-face. It happens in a circle. It happens when we can see each other. And so real connection happens, circles, not rows. Now, this week I just happened to catch something on TV, and I, th- I thought it was really interesting. Is there were two gentlemen talking, and they began to talk about, and I shared this Tuesday morning in my group, about lone wolves. And I, I, I mean, I think that lone wolves are, I mean, I, well, I just think wolves are beautiful anyways. I mean, they're just amazing-looking animals. You see them in the wild. There's something mysterious about them, awesome, I don't know. But, but they were talking, and they had done this study, and I thought it was very interesting. And what they had found is that lone wolves, 
Because in our culture, especially for us men, we don't need nobody. Just me and Jesus, you know, that's all I need. And, uh, but, the, but the study found this, is that lone wolves were actually smaller and died quicker, younger, than those who ran with a pack. Is that the wolves who were part of a pack were actually larger, they were more well-fed, they lived longer, they were actually able to care for one another. So even in nature, we see this. And the reality is, is we're not that different. By yourself, isolated, you will be malnourished. And you may not physically die. You might. But spiritually, you will. You'll die sooner. The vitality of your, of your relationship with God. Why? Because you won't have people to be there for you on your bad days. How many of you know you don't need friends on your good days? You need real friends on your bad days. That's when you need, like, somebody to really come alongside of you and say, hey, I'm not going to let you quit. Just come on. Pick up. Let's go. You're going to hear the second part of, of Paige and Ashley's story next week, and that's what happened. I won't spoil it, but that's, that's part of what happened. You know, and the reality is, is that we all need relationships. We're hardwired for this. You say, well, that's not my personality. This is what I can tell you is not your personality. God did not design you for lonely. Not a single person. You may not need 10 relationships. You need a few. You need more than, well, I got my, me and my wife. Yeah, but if you're, a, if you're a man or if you're a woman, you need somebody of, your, of the same gender of, as you. What? To figure out things in life, things that you're dealing with. I mean, there are times that my friends that are husbands would challenge me, and they'd be like, hey, watch out. I, I hear an attitude there. And you know what? They help me be better. Why? Because they're my friends, because we're, we're in relationship together. The Bible actually went as far as to say that, and we see this in Genesis, that God created Adam. Everything's perfect, perfect. Everything is perfect. Adam's there, he's got all the animals, and God looks and says, something's wrong. Something's wrong. He's by himself, and by himself is not good. So I'm going to fix that. I'm going to create what? A helpmate. I'm going to create a, a partner for him to come alongside. And then God said, this is good. Why? Because God did not design Adam to be lonely. And Adam had... All access to God. He had the full experience with him and God. And even God said that God by himself was not enough for Adam. And this is what the Bible says. This isn't my opinion. God looked at it. Of all of creation, everything was very good. Good, very good, good, very good, 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 good. Comes to Adam by himself and says, that ain't good. And so he created a partner. And, and so I believe that it's important that we understand this, that we see this. And so, you know, and, and part of this, and I, I said this a few minutes ago, is that sometimes we need to be in groups not for ourselves, but maybe God wants you to be in a group for somebody else. I mean, if I asked you how many of you want to be used by God, most of you, I hope, would raise your hand. 
Okay, but are you going to put yourself in the right place at the right time to be used by God? Because that might be in the context of a relationship, a small group. You know, let me give you an example of this because I think sometimes people can get tripped up a little bit. In in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 I'm going to read this first couple of scriptures from the passage translation because I believe sometimes people get tripped up because they say, well, you're the pastor. It's your job to do the ministry. The problem is that's not biblical. It doesn't line up with scripture. And if scripture is our authority for life, it doesn't mean I don't have a, a role. Of course I do. But it says here that God has appointed some with the grace to be apostles. Some with the grace to be prophets, some with the grace to be evangelists, some to, uh, with the grace to be pastors, some to, with the grace to be teachers. Their calling, here's the purpose of those five gifts that we would call them the ministry gifts, which even that term is goofy. Why? Because it doesn't even line up with Scripture. We call it the fivefold ministry gifts. And somehow we've, in our minds, have said, well, that's the people that do the ministry. But the Bible says something different. It says, and their calling, being what? Those gifts that we just talked about, the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, um, the apostle. It says their calling is to what? To nurture and prepare all. Not a select few. To prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. So if I was to ask the question two minutes ago and said, who's the minister around here? Most of you would have pointed at me. Most of you would have. But the reality is, is that we're all ministers, not just me. Now, there's a grace on my life to pastor. Yes, you may not share that grace, but you have a grace on your life. There's a grace that God wants to put. Wow. And it goes on, and I love this. It says that, that, that believers are to do their own works of ministry, and as they do them, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. How many of you realize that it's not solely my responsibility to see that this church grows? I have a part. I'm called to a part of it, yes. But it's here it says that what? That that my calling is to help prepare you for the ministry that you're called to, that by doing that, that the church would grow. And that's important that we understand this, that we see this. It goes on, it says that this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature. How many of you know that God wants you to grow? That's why we talk about movement, like what's your next step? What's your next spiritual step? Have you, have you been saved? Have you been baptized? Have you, have you, you know, gotten into a group? Have you gotten onto a team? Are you growing and moving forward and maturing and developing in the gift and the grace that God has placed on your life? And that's why we ask that question. In staff meeting, we say it this way, who moved? Who moved? Where's the movement? What happened? Tell me the stories. So it says, this will continue until we mature, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. It says, and then you will no longer be immature like children. Now, that's not an insulting statement, but the reality is, is we work with teenagers for a long time. No offense, teenagers, but they can be swayed from day to day, from moment to moment. Why? Because that's the world in which they live at that moment. But it says that if we'll be mature, what? What goes on, it says, 
if we'll mature, we'll no longer be like immature children. He says we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. He says we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way. This is what I know. Every single one of us can grow. Every single one of us. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. You can, you can grow. Why? Because God wants you to. God has a plan and a, to, a, and a path for us to walk that we would grow in every way to become more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. It says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. In other words, you're not here by mistake. He brought you to this body. Why? Because there's a purpose. He says that it fits together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow. When you do your special work, that might be like me making the sacrifice to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm a night person. I'd rather stay up till 6 o'clock in the morning than to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to my group. But yet what? That's part of, that's part of the sacrifice that I make to put myself in a place where not only can I experience God and maybe be instructed by God's word, but also that I could speak into someone else's life. Maybe there's an experience, maybe there's a story that I share, and it's like, oh, I'm not the only one who's gone through that. And it's the power of the circle that that brings. And so we can even help other people grow. And it says that when we do that, that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Verse 16, now the passage translation, it says that every member, every member, every body, every part of the church has been given divine gifts. See, many of you don't even believe that God has a gift in you, and the truth is that yes, he did. Why? Because before you were born, before you were created, he had a purpose, and therefore he made you. So there was a purpose for you before you were ever even the first thought. God already said, I have a plan, and I need somebody to do that. And that was the way God worked. And so it says that every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is actually for others. It says, and these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body. It says, we are built up and made perfect in love. And so, quite simply, there, you know, like right now, I'm up here in the pulpit. But how many of you know that we have people in kids teaching right now? We have people in nursery teaching right now? Guess what? They're ministering to your kids, my kids. They're not listening to me preach. My kids don't want to listen to me talk. But we, what? We minister to them at an age-appropriate level that they can understand. I had a proud dad moment. Well, a sort of proud dad and kind of embarrassing dad moment. Like two weeks ago, Darren was putting some things together for the nursery, and we had their, their scripture verse. And I asked Darren, I'm like, He's, we're supposed to be teaching him this verse? Like, I didn't know, right? And I'm like, I'm the pastor. Like, this is embarrassing. And so, and so it's like Saturday night, you know, and I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, Max, we have to figure, like, you can't not know this, right? And I'm freaking out because I'm like, this is going to look bad for us, Max. Like, I need you to cooperate. Like, we got to focus for a minute, son. I got a little nervous. And so, you know, I'm like putting him in bed. I mean, it's like late. And I'm like, we'll just squeeze it in here right before he goes to bed. Just being honest with you. I know y'all never have these moments, but. And so we're talking. And I said, and so, you know, we pray every night before he goes to sleep. And I said, hey, bud. I said, uh, you know, because 
we had had some, he had been around and they were using a little craft thing he had seen. I said, hey, you remember all those little gold little things? He was like, yeah. Because he'd been throwing them all over the place and all day and driving us crazy with them. And um, so anyhow, and so I asked him, I said, well, do you know what that's for? And he said, yeah, it's for my memory verse. And I said, do you know your memory verse? And he rattled it off. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I've been saved. But guess what? Guess what? I didn't teach my son that. His teachers did. Because I didn't know I was supposed to be teaching him that. But he knew it. not because. And see, that's ministry. Even though he's four. My boy's already learning some scriptures. Right? Why? Because some of you have used your gifts, have used your heart, have used your love to teach my son a scripture. That's ministry. And so whether you're on a team, whether you're in a group, you have gifts and, 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 and it's ministry. See, my goal is not just to ask you to serve. My goal is to help you figure out what you enjoy and turn that into ministry. I mean, we have somebody this fall who is doing a hiking group. A hiking group. Like, well, that ain't nothing spiritual. Depends what you do while you're hiking. Let's talk about the conversations that might be had. Because that hiking can become ministry. We had one this summer, kayaking. Kayaking can become ministry. How many of you know that a Bible study doesn't necessarily mean that it's ministry? Because if it's a gossip group, that ain't ministry. We study in the Bible and praying. Uh-huh. Sure. Well, that's not ministry. So just because it's about what happens in that group, not necessarily the context of that group, that changes that. I'm going to ask you a quick question. I've got to move along here. But... You know, and I've, and I've already said this. I believe in the preaching of God's word, but the reality is if I asked you for the last five sermons you heard, you probably couldn't tell me. You probably couldn't. I'm like, mm. I mean, I'm the preacher, and I would have to think for a few minutes. What's the last five I've preached? But if I asked you the last five meaningful interactions with people, you could name them real quick. Why? Because information, or I'm sorry, relationships matter more than Information. Relationships have more power. They, have, they do something in us. They're, they're easier to, to recall. And it's amazing what can happen when you take information and you connect it with relationship, especially in the context of a spiritual connection relationship. Everybody wins. Everybody grows. Why? Because we were designed to connect. See, godly relationships will bring about spiritual maturity into our life. Why? Because nobody understands the the Bible completely. And we all need help. And so this is my encouragement for you, especially as we're going into this fall, is to have the courage to connect. Because I realize for some of you, you, you've probably had opportunities. You've probably had some relationships that didn't go so well. Maybe you went to a small group or went to a group in the past. Maybe even in your, you know, somebody hurt you and you're like, man, I I can't trust people. Here's what I'm asking you. Have the courage to connect. Have the courage to move past, to move past that hurt, to move past that pain, to begin to trust again. But you're going to have to have courage to trust. I believe this is important for us. See, real discipleship happens face to face. 
I can show you this scripturally. How many people did Jesus preach to? To the masses, to the multitude, right? But yet the Bible says he would teach in stories and everybody's going, I mean, Jesus, everybody says Jesus was the greatest communicator ever and I believe that to be true. Okay, so let's take that and and flip it. If he was so great as a communicator, how come nobody knew what he was talking about? The Bible says that he would preach to the multitudes and they would walk away confused, not knowing what he spoke about, but then he would get together with the disciples and they would say, hey, what'd that mean? uh, And he'd be like, oh, well, let me explain that story to you. We call them parables. And he would unpack that for what? His circle. His inner circle. And it's important that we understand this. So true discipleship, like deep relationship, has to go beyond just the pulpit. It has to get into a relationship. So here's, my, here's one of my questions for you this morning, is have you settled to be a part of the multitude? Have you just accepted? I'll just be part of the friends that just comes to church, but I don't want to be in relationship with anybody. Because here's the thing, we can have amazing messages And you'll leave here unchanged. Why? Because you need that relationship. You need that connection of of one believer to another believer. And the reality is, is that God wants something deeper for all of us. It's not just that we need this. It's the way that God designed us. It's that God wants something deep. And I've already mentioned this a couple times. You know, the guys that, there's about a dozen guys that get together on Tuesday mornings or have been. The reality is, is I know those men more than I know or know them better than I know many of you. Why? Because I've been sitting across the table from them for a year. And I know their story and they know my story and we share things and we talk about things. It's not that they're better than you. I just haven't had the time with you that I've had with them. That's the only difference. I have access. They have access. And we get together and we talk. And it's just time. That's why this matters. And, and so, you know, e- even in this is that true spiritual growth is much more than just Scripture that we can recite. It's, it's more than just a simple uh, information transfer. It's, no, I understand this, and I'm in relationship with people so that even when I'm struggling, I can ask people questions and say, you know, Pastor said this Sunday, I just don't know if I agree with that. You know, you are allowed to say that, by the way. As a matter of fact, you would be wise to make sure that what I'm saying is actually in the Bible. But you can, and so, I mean, my mom said growing up, my favorite question was always why. It still kind of is my favorite question. Why, why, why? Do this, why? Just tell me why. I just want to know. I was just curious. See, and I believe that that even in our relationships, we can ask those questions that, hey, we're not going to ask on a Sunday morning. I mean, I may have said something this morning, and some of you may have had a question, but like, I wonder what, where are you going to ask that question? Are you just going to let that question stay in your heart? Or do you have somebody that you can connect to? To ask and say, hey, pastor was talking about this. So-and-so was talking about this. This this was said or I was reading this and kind of raised this question for me. See, we want to help each other grow into what? The full measure of Christ. But it's going to take some relationships. So even as I'm wrapping up this morning, I, I want you to think about that question. 
Have you settled to be a part of the, the multitude? Have you, have you settled to just be on the outside? Have you settled just to, and been okay with being on the fringe when God's calling you to something deeper? When he's calling you into a relationship to connect. And I realize, look, there's a lot of people who have been hurt. I get that. Trey said this earlier. We want four things for you here. Four things. Number one, we believe that every person on the planet should know God. That, you say, well, what does that mean? I mean like know him. Not just pray a prayer. I mean know him. Have a, a vital relationship with him. Part of the way we do that is twofold. We do that through our weekend services. And you do that every day. Why? Because you're the minister everywhere you go. At work, guess what? You're the minister. You ought to ask yourself that when you go to work next time. Who's the minister around here? And just point at yourself and be like, well, I guess I am. Because that's the way God sees it. That's the way he sees it. The second thing that we want for everybody that I believe is God's desire is that you would find freedom. Why? Because you have a past, and that past isn't always beautiful. Sometimes that past is, is harmful. It's hurtful. There, there are scars and wounds, and, and God wants, the Bible says that Jesus came to set you free. I shared about this a little bit last week. Spirit, soul, body, all aspects of your life, of your heart, your soul. And you've got to find freedom. Why? Because the enemy would love to keep you bound. Guess where you're going to get, get free at? In a small group. Like, I don't believe that. James chapter 5 says we confess our sins to God. And the problem is many times we think that's the end of the, the verse. But it's not. It says we, so we go to God for forgiveness. But then it says we, cause, and I can understand this. I go and confess my sins to God. Hey, I'm forgiven. It's over. Then why does the Bible say that we're to go confess our sins one to another. And it goes on, it says, that you may be healed. See, freedom, so you go to God for forgiveness, you go to his people for healing. See, a lot of times we, we don't connect that, but that's what the Bible says. We go to God for forgiveness, but we have to get in relationship for freedom, to be healed, to be whole. Why? Because we need to be loved. We need to be accepted. We need with people that are just with us. We do want you to discover your purpose, that, that your DNA, man, you were designed for something. That God has a purpose for that. And then you can go out and make a difference. But man, that's, that's really our, 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 our prayer for every single one of us. Because guess what? There are still things in my life that I still need freedom of. There are still gifts and things in my life that I've not discovered yet. It doesn't mean I've got to get all my stuff together before I can go make a difference. That's not what I'm saying. But there are some things that, that we need to settle. We need to settle yesterday. We need to get it under the grace of God. So that what? So that we can become the full measure, the full stature that Jesus died so that we could be. And relationships are a huge, huge piece of this. It's that power of relationship, that power of the circle, that eyeball-to-eyeball interaction. It makes all the difference. So my encouragement, two weeks from now, we're going to be doing groups. We're going to be launching our fall groups. Find you a group. You're like, well, I don't see a group. Maybe you need to create one. Maybe it's the season. Maybe it's the time that you say, well, I'm not sure what I do. We'll help you. Just say, I'm willing. I just don't know what to do. We'll help you with that. 
because we believe in groups. I mean, I, you know this, but we don't even have a midweek service. Why? Because we're that committed to groups. I believe in the power of relationships, that it's God's design. We don't even have a midweek. We do that so that you don't have the excuse, well, I went to Wednesday night church. No, go get in your group. Go get in your group. Go get connected. Because those relationships make all the difference. Amen.